Hey and welcome to another episode of Upstream, a podcast hosted by me, Minnow Park, and my good friend David Cho, where we talk about what it means to go against the current and live a more generous, curious, and sometimes difficult creative life. Thank you to the 1,100 people who listened to our first episode. Um, yeah, this was a serendipitous thing between David and I after a text, and we just wanted to see where this would go. And if I imagine us talking to that many people on stage, it's pretty frightening. So I'm glad we didn't do that and you're listening to this at home. Today's episode is the actual first episode David and I recorded together. It's also part one of two episodes we are sharing with you today called Genesis. And these episodes are about our beginnings, our stories. We talk about where we came from, formative creative experiences, and even about the Enneagram. You'll also hear us laughing at all the random coincidences David and I share. So again, welcome to the podcast, and hope you get to know us as we learn about each other. Thank you to John Song, aka Jules, for the music you're hearing right now. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. So for this first episode, what we wanted to do was talk about who we are and how we got to where we are right now, because I've known Dave for about a year now, but Mm -hmm. I've never really heard a story. We just sort of known each other from mutual friends i photographed one of his really good friends weddings and we were both on a macon slack channel macon is a online magazine and they sort of have a slack Mm -hmm. channel for people who are part of that community and we just had some random friends but yeah he's from atlanta i'm from new york i've never been to atlanta i only met dave because he came up to new york for the weddings so i never really heard about his story but we have a lot of things in common we're both in the creative field we both that's right. Uh, read the same books. We sort of have the same kind of ideas and stuff. And I thought it'd be great for us to get to know each other and also talk about these ideas in a really honest way of two Asian Americans, Korean Americans talking about it. Yeah. And even to go further on that, the whole name upstream, it comes from Minnow's uh, new email newsletter, yeah. also titled Upstream, where he talks about his creative endeavors and journey. And, you know, even, you know, some philosophy and things he notices. It's a beautiful thing. Everyone should subscribe to it. But essentially what we're doing here is really exploring what it means to live a, quote, upstream life, you know, meaning kind of swimming against the current, doing things maybe in a way that most people don't, even if it's harder, even if it's more confusing, even if it seems impossible. So that's kind of what we're doing here. And this first episode, Again, we'll be talking about our stories, our hopes for this podcast, as well as, you know, what you listeners can expect from this. So, yeah, why don't we just dive right in? Yeah. Why don't you start with yours? All right. So, okay, start from the beginning, but I'll keep it fast. I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. I moved to Atlanta in 1999, so when I was seven years old, I was... I pretty much went to you know elementary school to college here. I attended a school, a liberal arts school called Emory University. Uh, I studied anthropology and global health. I thought I was going to go to uh, seminary or public health school. Obviously, I did not do either of, the, either of those things. But I've in, for the last six years, I've been working mostly in marketing, specifically in brand strategy which doesn't mean much to most people. But essentially, what I do is I help brands articulate their difference and find their 
meaningful contributions to the to the world and to their customers. But I've also done kind of, you know, a bunch of different creative endeavors on the side. Last year I had a food pop-up called Gook. We served Korean kind of street food, but really it was it was more a conduit for community and really shaping the narrative around Korean food in our city. You know, I've I've done other things as a kind of like a startup nonprofit pro bono creative agency helping socially minded companies find their brand voice. Yeah, and I do a few other things, but that's that's the short story. Honolulu? That's right. Shakalaka. <laughs> you grew up with you <laughs> Wait. How did your family first how they how, how why Hawaii? It's, it's a very complex story actually, but I I believe that my my parents both came from Korea to Colorado actually to Denver and for what I think they had some family problems and so my parents mm-hmm. decided to ship out to Honolulu which is the exact um, opposite of Colorado basically that's right yeah polar opposites wow are there mm-hmm. a lot of Koreans in Honolulu yeah I mean Honolulu is predominantly Asian it's uh, you know obviously a lot of Polynesians yeah. a lot of Japanese a lot of Filipino and quite a number of Korean and Chinese. Do you remember Honolulu? <clears throat> I remember like the good memories for the most part. I remember like tide pools or I have a very strong memory of tide pools. Just always running around looking at tide pools, Korean food, Asian food in general, McDonald's. They serve spam at the Ooh. McDonald's, spam and eggs. You know, just you know, small memories like that. We're gonna log this in as a future episode because I know that David David was from Hawaii. That's that is that's cool. You're the first uh, Hawaiian. Is that what is that what it would be? Hawaiian. Hawaiian. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you, to be huh? really Hawaiian, you'd have to, be, you know, you're you have to have Hawaiian blood. But yeah. Okay, so I have follow up questions to your story. Perfect. Because it's my first time hearing it. As you guys are hearing it, it's my first time hearing it as well. So, Honolulu. I think we should go back to figure out. Is it? I mean, maybe. It'd be interesting to hear how your family ended up in Hawaii because I personally never knew anyone from Hawaii. But what what got you thinking about seminary of public health? Yeah. um, Geez, get into the deep stuff. Okay, so (laughs) actually when I was in Hawaii, we'll we'll start there. I mean, obviously, most Asian people, a lot of Asian people go to church as a means of finding community. I think that's, you know, really what my parents did as well. But it wasn't until we moved to um, Atlanta where my mom specifically got pretty serious about her faith. And so from then, I we started to go out to church and I had a pretty spiritual, I guess, conversion type moment when I was like really young when we first moved to Atlanta, like fifth or sixth grade. And from there, I, I pretty had pretty much had my heart set on kind of staying in the church world and supporting the church world however I could. And then, you know, I, I was kind of in that mindset from through middle school, high school, and then even in early parts of college, I was pretty heavily involved in the like ministry there. 
So you had church like two, three times a week, basically. No, I had church six out of the seven days a week, essentially. <laughs> Especially when it when I got to college. The wow. college was like extremely wow. tense. So, you know, I it served a lot. I did all the kind of church stuff. Was, you know, pretty wrapped up in all of that type of culture as well. And, and we, I'm sure we can unpack yeah. that late, later, but... But when senior year rolled around, I was, I think it was the beginning of a little bit of an undoing for me in terms of like spirituality and religion and kind of reconsidering, reposturing myself even about what it is I believe and why I want to do the things I want to do. And public health and seminary were really just a cop out for me because it was the easiest, most sensible thing to do with my kind of anthropology degree, you know? Mm. It was obvious, yeah. It was obvious, but it wasn't right. Mm. And I think I had to really reconcile. Them. And yeah, so in, in my senior year, I basically had to do what everyone else did for the last four years. Um, so I had like, I think I had six internships my senior Jeez. Um, just trying to, yeah. Um, I did a lot of, you know, weird different stuff. But for the most part, it was just marketing related and landed my first internship in L.A. That was the start. And what got you into brands, though? Brand or brand strategy marketing? You know, I don't specifically remember because I was not even once exposed to marketing or business in school. I was like, you know, I was studying monkey skulls and, (laughs) you know, like I was doing ethnographies of Buddhist temples and, you know, writing about gender issues. And so this whole business thing for me was like just new, but I, I had a, like, I think I've had an entrepreneurial like spirit bone inside of me, just watching my dad kind of build his businesses and stuff. And so maybe it has to do with that, but I realized that I do have this kind of creative side to mm. me. And I knew that was true mm. ever since I was younger, like, you know, whether it's through expressing myself in writing or back in the day was through music. Mm. So I wanted to figure out how to, I guess, use that. Yeah in a career yeah and i guess the only thing i could think of was like okay writing marketing that's how i got there yeah and, and there's something anthropological about marketing though right mm-hmm. a good brand thinking about people monkey skulls right. don't really help in a in a brand deck but you know i think it no <laughs> human history right and the way things happen and yeah we're just living in a in a world where whatever kind of social constructs and tensions and things were happening is sort of on this hyperspeed now right in terms of how connected we are and what tribe we belong to and what community we belong to we could belong to eight different communities in an afternoon because of the internet and what we have yeah and i guess i think the biggest skill i learned through school was really how to think and how to write critically right and that's really what's I think pulled me through all these years. That's it. Super interesting, man. Again, this is my first time hearing uh, Dave's story, and <laughs> it's really weird how many similarities that Dave and I have. So my name's people know me as Minnow. The only people in the world that don't call me Minnow or have a right to not call me Minnow is either my school friends or my corporate work friends when I used to do corporate Mm -hmm. work. And so my name 
my name on my birth certificate and my driver's license is David as well. David Park <laughs> is my name. <laughs> I guess I should start from when I got the when I got the name Minnow. I was born in Texas. You didn't know mm. that. Mm-mm. But I left when I was three, so I have no memory of it at all. All I know oh, wow. is that I was born in Texas, but pretty right. much raised in New York. We moved to Brooklyn okay. when I was in first grade, then moved to uh-huh. Queens, and I've been in Queens my whole life. Oh wow! I went to NYU too, so I've been in New York. I haven't really stayed in another state longer than a week or so, so I've been a New Yorker all my life. Wow. But everyone call me Dave. My Korean name is Pak Min Ho. Mm-hmm. Min Ho. What's your Korean name, Dave? My Korean name is Che Min Woo. <laughs> <laughs> One vowel difference. I, you can't make this up. You really Sometimes can't. you can't. You can't make up life, man. So my Korean name is Min Ho, and in seventh grade, I was a fat little. Uh, seventh grader really unsure of himself just wanting to fit in and I had this older young brother figure who was maybe three years or four years older than me I want to say uh-huh. and he was like minho 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 you're like a fish you're like a little fish <laughs> you're a minnow aren't you you're a little minnow and I was a fat little seventh grader there's nothing small about me right but he called me Minnow, and it stuck because he was sort of the alpha male of the youth group. Mm-hmm. And like Madonna and Bono, and the people didn't even know my last name. I was just Minnow. <laughs> and, I, and I hated it. I hated really? it. So I hated, my, I hated my nickname. Wow. And it was just something that was stuck. And church can be a torturous place when you're growing That's up right. because you have to go there every week. Mm-hmm. And you want to be loved by these people. And where I lived, I, there wasn't a lot of Koreans. It was just me that was a Korean. Mm. And church was the only place that, where there was like other Asians, you know. Right. And then it wasn't until 11th or 12th grade when I started doing music. And the guy that I started playing music was like, Minnow Park, that's a cool name, man. That's a good name. And I was like, I guess that's a better stage name than David Park. Mm-hmm. You know, I, David Park is such a common name and so minnow park sort of stuck and people knew me just because my name was minnow and it was just a unique name right so yeah i did a lot of music and i did a lot of music i did music from junior year till about end of college oh i didn't do any internships because i just played a lot of music and so i made a i made an album a christian album in in sophomore year of my uh, call in college and then that summer we did sort of a, a national tour. And so really? We like six, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we did 16 shows in a month. And we went to Jeez. Chicago, Colorado, San Francisco, LA. Then it was like, I want to say like Arizona, then Dallas and Austin, Oklahoma, Maryland, and then back up to New York. So you're a real musician. On, I was on the road for about a month, and it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah, we we did the whole thing, and but I never went to Atlanta. Like Atlanta <laughs> wasn't a it wasn't one of our networks back then. You missed out, but uh, I missed out, I guess. Yeah, and so it was it was really really fun. It was back in the day, and then I mean I'll go into it another another episode about why I sort of left music. I didn't come to terms with that until maybe a year ago, but 
yeah, I always did music, but at the same time, I was going to NYU business school because mm-hmm. that's what my parents wanted me to do. And mm-hmm. I took my first finance class and I was like, nope, I cannot do these equations or anything. So I also just mar- majored in marketing. <laughs> Wait, really? And I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I majored in marketing. I majored in marketing. And I, I completely resonate with the idea that like I was really involved at, at, you know, in my Christian fellowship and I was also involved in, in church and sort of like, why not do seminary? You spend all these hours talking about, you know, spending time and thinking about stuff. Why don't I just make that my career? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't work that way because it's actually one of the hardest careers you can probably have. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an easy career to have. Right. But yeah. And so I graduated with a marketing and music minor because that's really the other two things that were going for me. And it was funny because I graduated in 2006. So the marketing I learned was billboards, TV ads, like newspapers. Like it was that kind of marketing and right. pricing and what whatever you want to do. But while I was in school, the Facebook.com launched. Mm-hmm. And because I did a lot of music, I just friended everybody. So I left NYU with like 1,500 friends wow. of just like .edu account right. people, you know. And the year after I left college, I just picked up a DSLR camera and I just, I lost my mind. It was something out of left field. Everyone's like, you played music. Why are you picking up a camera? Mm-hmm. And I got super into it. I was working at a marketing agency. What? wow this is crazy i got a job at an agency being a project manager i was help i was uh, building websites for clients okay our cto had a cms before squarespace was invented okay this guy had a proprietary cms platform wow and uh we would sell it to uh clients and say oh you could update your own thing using the cms or whatever whatever and then 2008 2009 the financial crisis hit 85% 85% of our agency got laid off. Mm-hmm. I had almost a year's worth of unemployment from the government because no one was getting jobs. Whoa. My safe, worried, you know, Korean parents were like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've lost your honor by being fired. <laughs> you can you can do you can do whatever you want. It's okay. <laughs> and I was like, Well, if you say that, I was twenty five living at home. Got $1,200 a month mm-hmm. from the government. That's a part-time job. You can go out with your friends on 1200 a month, mm-hmm. you know? And then I put my head down and just started photographing. And those friends I made on Facebook, and Facebook was complete organic reach back then. There was no thing. Beautiful there was no pay. There was no paid platform or anything. That's right. And weddings are inherently viral, Yep. right? If you shoot a wedding, you put it up, everyone wants it. They still do. Mm-hmm. Weddings are probably one of the most viral pieces of content you can have within your network because of how everyone wants to see what happened, yep. right? And I just rode that wave from 25 till now of friends and friend of friends and friends in Atlanta getting married and mm-hmm. shooting weddings. And so... Yeah, I've been a freelance photographer for about 10 years now. Crazy. That's my story. And here we are today. So, and here we are today with with the guy in Atlanta that I have so many similarities with. Isn't that crazy, dude? It's crazy. It really is crazy. Like so many similarities. The only thing is I didn't make the jump to freelance. I mean... Yes, but maybe there'll be another recession and that'll be my chance. <laughs>
Oh man, I cannot believe the, sim- the similarities that that's that's among you and I. Right. Do you have any questions? Any follow up questions? Yeah, I mean, we can. I mean, again, I, I'm very curious about why you stopped music. But hmm. what what did you do? Were you a singer? You're a guitarist. I was a I was a Christian John Mayer. Well, not as good as him, nor as good of a songwriter. But my dream was to tour the country with just. I thought me and a guitar could uh, change the world. You know. Wow. I would watch Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan documentaries, and just see him on the stage with the guitar. What was your hit single? <laughs> my hit single for those that are listening, deep deep dive would be a song called "Abounding Love." Wow. It was sort of my it was sort of my take on a on a Christian praise song. Can people find it on um, Spotify? You can find it on Spotify. You actually can. You can. Yeah. All right, that'll be our theme song for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> then no one, then really no one will listen to this except our moms or something. No one will listen. <laughs> our moms and our wives will be the only one listening to this. Right. My wife Maybe. will just laugh at me the whole time. Maybe. Maybe. That's so funny. Wow. Yeah. But music was a, I mean, one thing we do want to talk about on here is our sort of creative highs and lows. And mm. I think music is definitely, it was a high point in my life. And then it became this really low point for a long time. Wow. I have a very similar story too about that. I sang from seventh grade till my junior year in college. Like, it's like singing what? Like I was like worship team worship leader for a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i had a very traumatic experience that kind of shut it all off me too (laughs) that's pretty incredible for the listeners here this is literally unscripted i cannot believe (laughs) how similar my life is with someone that's hundreds and hundreds of miles away it's really this is really interesting we're gonna leave this as a hook mm-hmm. for people to come back if they're listening this far right how <laughs> our music careers ended in trauma in trauma yes we could have been there's a there's a great christian group called uh, shane and shane we could have been dave and dave wow it never it never worked out <laughs> it never worked wow. out <laughs> if only he had come to atlanta in his tour Another Dave would come up on the stage and start singing. It's like, right. who are you? I'm Minu. I'm Minu. Hey. <laughs> oh. That's really funny. Yeah, I mean, I still do music now. I, I play I, I play at church. Oh, okay. And I, I do stuff. At, yeah, so it's, it's at a place now where I love it. And mm-hmm. it's sort of at this really great place. But yeah, it's not it's it's not where it was. And, and literally photography came out of nowhere. I just saw... I saw someone have a DSLR and I just picked it up and it was, I, it just made sense. It was really weird, but yeah, that's crazy. That's your, that's your follow up. Follow up is the, is the music part. Yeah. Um, we have a, I mean, obviously there's a lot to, to uncover here. Yeah. Um, I think the takeaway from this podcast is Dave and I didn't know how many similarities we actually have. <laughs> Right. This is a really. This podcast is about two people figuring out all of the things yes. that they share in common. Yes, and we're doing it live. You, you must have a nice, like, high tenor voice. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what I was categorized as. Interesting. But you could. I. I you sound like you could hit pretty high notes. I. I can hit very high notes. Uh, yeah. Sheer I will. Could hear, I could hear the the 
the the timbre in your voice tells me you have a you have an angelic high voice. Well, thank that's, you. That's what it tells me. Thank you. Did you woo your Did you woo uh, your wife with your voice? No. Um, <laughs> you know, some people get far in music because of talent, and some from charisma. That <laughs> <laughs> was the latter, and it didn't get me too far. So it died out. Right. It had a terrible death. Really, a terrible death. That's a beautiful oh. story for for a, ne- a future podcast. Another thing that I know that we have in common Uh and either listeners will either cringe or will be happy that I mentioned the word Enneagram. Ooh. Ooh. That's scary stuff. There have been podcasts and industries built on that one word. We're probably just going to talk about it for (laughs) for one episode or Mm -hmm. something. But Dave and I are both sevens. Yeah. And this is true. Like, you know, you're a seven, right? Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. I used to be I used to be a hard eight, but I think I don't know what it was. I, maybe I just grew up a little, but I took it again. And then I was a very strong seven, wing eight. You see, I don't. Maybe when you. Mm, that's interesting. Okay, put a pin on that one too. Mm-hmm. But I can see the seven in Dave. I can definitely, definitely see the seven in Dave. Yeah. So, th- I think there is a there is a level of self awareness. To taking the ene- before you take the enneagram, right. right? To have it give you something that's accurate, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you have to be very honest when you take it. I think the first time when I took it, I could sense where the questions were leading, and I yeah. wanted to answer it to portray myself in a specific way. And I think when you're when I think if you're a certain number, you tend to appreciate the wings more. That's right, because you have the tendency, but you don't mm-hmm. have it. So I love my eights. You and I, our, our friend in common, one of our friends in common, <laughs> Tiff, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tiffany if she's listening to this. No, I hope she doesn't. Is, is, <laughs> is, one of the, is one of the most eights that I know and that you know. Mm. And you have a love-hate relationship with eights. That's and right. I, have a lo- I have a love-hate relationship with my good eight friend, Stephen Fang, if he's listening to this. It's funny how that works. Yes, yes. Bane of our existence, but we can't live without him. No. This is good. I feel like this is a good one. Good first one? Good first one. I agree. I, I, I think this was like, let's just do this. I came into this nervous. I got sick. We were supposed to do this last week or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And then, and then I got sick. And then a little part of me was like, Whew, okay, I don't have to deal with that. Like, I, like, <laughs> I really want to do this, but I'm nervous. And I don't want to. I, yeah, I got some relief. And then... And then I was sick and then we got busy and we didn't really like talk about it. Right. And then a few days ago, I'm like, hey, man, I think I still want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm still. Uh... I was thinking about it the whole time. Oh, Dave. No, but here we are. Here we are. There's a lot to talk about. I think the more we talk about it's it's not that we don't have anything to talk about. I think it's the challenge is going to be focus mm-hmm. and and knowing what we want to say, because I think we can just. You and I could probably just sit and talk for right. a long time together. We'll probably, it'll help our listeners to know, you know, we, we have thought about themes and mm-hmm. we have thought about, you know, points of interest that we talk about. Obviously we'll talk about music. Um, we'll talk about our intersections, you know, probably religion. Um, we'll talk about work, creativity, what it, what it's like to work in a creative field. Um, 
Minnow can talk more about what it's like to be a freelancer. I can talk what it's like to be in the creative industry and not be a freelancer. Um, a lot of things. Marriage too. Marriage. I think marriage mm-hmm. is something. Yeah. You and I both, we love our wives a That's lot. That's right. I'm recently married. Dave and Angela are probably one of the cutest couples I I've, I see around. They got, they, really you guys nice. are, you guys are adorable. Thank you. Uh, I guess the last thing to end this podcast with yeah. is there's a definition of art by a guy named Seth Godin. If, he talks a lot about marketing, about generating ideas, how to make ideas spread, how to do something that's meaningful. But he has this definition of art. That was the genesis of me wanting to do the newsletter and a big part of what I think about a lot. And his definition of art is that art is a human act, a generous contribution, something that might not work and is intended to change the recipient for the better, often causing a connection to happen. Art is a human act. It's a generous contribution something that might not work so it's risky and is attended to change the recipient for the better often causing a connection to happen and so i love this definition because it goes on to the intent and the motivation of what you do as opposed to what we think art is which is just drawing Mm -hmm. or photos or or the, the typical definition of an artist right and people just don't think they're artists but this podcast i think is our attempt at doing a part of that mm-hmm. a generous contribution that wants change and connection mm-hmm. between Dave and I, and also with people who might be listening to this, yeah. but there's something in there that I feel like is a great motivator for anybody who wants to do something meaningful. Exactly. And I think for me, the quote that the part of the quote that stands out tremendously here is this idea of a generous contribution. And that's, it's a strange idea, but to think that something you create is an act of generosity itself is both humbling and, you know, um, there's, there's a little bit of responsibility behind it. And also this idea that it's something that might not work. I think especially me being having been in this kind of corporate creative world for some time, we're kind of um, trained to ensure that all of our ideas have to work. Mm-hmm. And this is probably one of the first things I've done in a long time that I, we don't even know what work and does and not work means, right? We don't know what failure looks like here. We don't know what success looks like, but it's really to to Minna's point, a contribute generous contribution to one another. And generosity changes the way you actually view a project mm. from the get go. If you want to be generous, yeah, the metrics you think about, the objective, the way you do it, it changes everything. That's right, you know. And I think if there was more generous things, it would be very. It'll be a different world we sort of live in. That's and right. I think when I think about doing something that's generous, that's going to be great. And yeah, to your point, this is something that we don't know what's going to be. But I think just the fact that we're doing this is really fun. And I think that's where it's supposed to start. Mm. It's not going to be easy and we're not going to be good at it. But that's the point. That's the point. But just doing it is fun. Yeah. So it's already been very meaningful. It has. This has been great, my doppelganger, my, <laughs> my clone in a, my clone in Chambly. Right. Thank you, man. This was great. Thank you. Whoever's listening out there, thank you for your time. Well, until next time, Dave. All right. Peace. Bye. Hey, and thank you again for listening to this episode of Upstream. This was part one of our stories, and in part two, we go deep into a moment that put an end to our musical endeavors. We'd also love to hear your stories and your creative journey. 
Uh, you can contact us at upstreampodcast.com and you can find show notes and everything we mentioned there as well. Again, thank you for listening and hope you're safe and well.